Welcome back to our college football show. In the late window, second-ranked Alabama will be tested in SEC play by Arkansas. The Crimson Tide must keep winning to secure a spot in the conference championship game against the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. In Pac-12 after dark play, Oregon journeys to Utah and the Ducks can't slip if they hope to remain in contention for one of the four CFP berths. Oklahoma State faces Texas Tech, which is fresh from a win after a 62-yard field goal in a Big 12 meeting. Our college cappers will have you ready for another huge week of college football action. Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. It is week 12. It is part two. It's time for the afternoon and the evening slate on Saturday. We have got a ton of fantastic games today, and I am telling you, our slate is stacked. A lot of big games, a lot of interesting games. Of course, we, in and of ourselves, are actually sickos. We enjoy the South Alabama-Tennessee games. We, we enjoy those so we're going to talk about all of them across the board, the biggest games, the smallest games, whatever we find interesting or valuable, we will share it with you to go ahead and get us started off. We're going to introduce the experts on the right side of your screen. You will see Kyle Hunter. He is an award-winning professional handicapper, and he is, of course, a BetUS expert. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at KyleHunterPicks. Kyle, how you feeling about this weekend? Going good, Gary. You got us off to a winning start there last night, too. That was nice. Not bad. Uh, it did not help us much last week. I did the same thing on Wednesday last week. <laughs> but uh, thinking but positive here, Gary. It, it's a changing of the tides, right? <laughs> we're we're moving into a different era, a different week. And, uh, and yes, we started out with a win, which can never be a bad thing. It's much better than a loss. Uh, on the left side of your screen, we have got... Parker Fleming. You can find him on Twitter at Stats of War. He's our numerical guru, as I like to call him. He is the numbers guy, the stats guy, the analyst. Uh, got all the smart stuff, right? Parker, how you feeling? Doing great, man. Really fun. Last night, the uh, the Buffalo game was just a ton of fun to watch. And man, I, I mean, we had a great slate yesterday and, and almost as good, if not an even better slate of games today. So, um, you know, again, the uh, the sad February Saturday afternoon is coming sooner than we think. I'm I'm here to milk every kind of uh, every every last drop of enjoyment out of the college football season we can. Uh, you have certainly got that right. You brought up Buffalo and Northern Illinois. I want to start this off early with an apology to the Northern Illinois fans because I absolutely <laughs> trashed them in the preseason. Said that they would go under three and a half wins. Uh, I did not think Thomas Hammett could do the job, and they have now won their division in the MAC. Uh, what is it, six one-score wins this year? I mean, that is a sign of uh, pretty good coaching. I was incredibly wrong. So all of you Northern Illinois fans can get out of my Twitter mentions. It's okay. I understand where you're coming from. I get that I was wrong. But either way, uh, you can also follow me on Twitter if you want to, at GaryWCE, if you want to see what's happening over there. Uh, let's go ahead and tell you what you need to do before we get started. You need to sign up over at BetUS.com. BetUS is where the game begins and you can sign up using the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to get you a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and that is sportsbook exclusive. It's a fantastic deal. You need to take advantage of it uh, while you can. There is a link in the description. You can click that link. It's going to toss the promo code in there for you so that you don't even have to remember that I told you what the promo code was. But I will tell you again. It's NCAAF2021. Go ahead and get signed up for that. Along with that, while you're here, because we do have several people already watching live and whatnot, and if you're listening, of course, on the podcast, uh, go over to YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel, and hit that like button on this video. There's a little thumbs up button, very easy to do. Uh, go ahead and knock that out for us. We would certainly appreciate it. helps us out a whole lot, a whole lot for you to hit the like button and to subscribe. Along with that, hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live and because of that, I will go ahead and let you know next week, of course, is Thanksgiving week. We will be doing a Wednesday show only, and it will be a longer show than normal. So make sure, set your watch, set your timer, all that good stuff. Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern time, we will be right here. It's a little different time than usual. There will not be a Thursday show next week because, of course, that is Thanksgiving. Uh, we're not going to be competing with the NFL. So make sure that you are here on Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern time next week. But if you hit that notification bell... It's going to let you know 
exactly when we go live. So go ahead and knock that out. Jump into the chat. We've already got several people in. Uh, P. Matt looks like he won his bet last night in Maction. Always good to start off with a win. Um, jump into the chat. Let us know what you would like to talk about. We are going to do a Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, with that said, let's give you a recap of what we have done thus far this season. And so far, so good. Started out last night with a win, so that is certainly good. That puts me up to 41 wins, 34 losses, and 4 pushes. Kyle is sitting at 32 wins and 23 losses. And Parker sitting at 40 wins, 47 losses, and 3 pushes. Overall, 113, 104, and 7. That is not too bad. We are above water, and we are looking to be profitable, and we have still got some time to do that. We got the whole bowl season, we got all kind of stuff, and uh, at the end of this, we'll be tossing in exactly what our preseason records were. And and I went back and looked yesterday, and so far so good. So far, our preseason bets have uh, have paid off pretty well thus far. Let's uh, let's get started, gentlemen. We have got a fantastic first matchup to discuss here, and it is a big time game on CBS, 3:30 p.m. Eastern Time, Arkansas, heading to. Tuscaloosa, Alabama to face off against the Crimson Tide. And the Tide are 20-and-a-half-point favorites, total of 58 right now. Alabama won this game 52-3 to last season. They have beaten Arkansas 14 straight times. They have covered the last two. Uh, some, of these, some of these lines have been absolutely ridiculous in this matchup, uh, but Arkansas has covered a fair amount. Alabama is 8-2 against the spread in their last 10 as a 20-plus point home favorite. Arkansas, under Sam Pittman, 5-2 against the spread as a road dog. That is not bad. They cover in these spots big time. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a lot of explosive plays. This line looks a little bit out of whack to me. I want to start off with you first, Parker. Uh, the, the numbers that stood out to me, Alabama, number four in 20-plus yard plays allowed. Arkansas, number eight. That Barry Odom defense really does some fascinating stuff. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so I, I, again, I, I've kind of filtered my stats out since week five just to get a little bit better picture of what's happening recently. And, and looking at that, this Arkansas defense has actually been a lot worse than they were to start the season. They're, uh, I have them as 96th overall in the last five five weeks, of course, not opponent adjusted, but um, or since week five, rather. Uh, a couple key things really, really stand out for me. Um, on, on, on offense, Arkansas, really good on early downs, 24th and early downs EPA per play, but Alabama's defense is 15th. So that's kind of strength on strength. Arkansas is going to find themselves in third down situations more often than they have this whole season. And they are 57th in third and fourth down success, whereas Alabama's defense is seventh. So um, I really I really don't know if they'll be able to get enough opportunity to kind of break off the big play there. Um, on the flip side on defense, Arkansas's pass defense has, has let up a lot recently, but it kind of, kind of struggled 117th uh, in EPA per pass since week five. Um, and, and so I, I think one thing that really, really stands out if you're worrying about Alabama's offense and the ways that Alabama's offense has struggled against good defenses and good defensive minds has been the red zone. Um, you know, especially you think that A&M game where Alabama had, you know, what, what was the stat? Six first downs inside the 20 and only had yes. 23 points total there. Um, <laughs> Arkansas, since week five, Arkansas is 93rd in points per quality possession, allowing 4.59. Alabama is 12th on offense since then, 5.14. It looks like they figured some of that out. So I kind of see this being like the Ole Miss game for Arkansas, except that they will not be able to score as much. Um, again, numbers like this that are very, very big, especially with an offense like Arkansas that does have that big, big play potential, make me a little bit wary. But I, I definitely would lean towards Alabama being able to cover here. Uh, Kyle, the interesting number for me was Alabama's adjusted defensive sack rate, uh, number eight. I mean, K.J. Jefferson is going to have to dance around. Their offense is number 70 in, uh, in offensive sack rate. It definitely not a very good matchup for the Razorbacks. Um, you know, it, it just overall season, Alabama number two in net points per drive, Arkansas number 38. Uh, Kyle, what, uh, what have you got on this one? Yeah, this one, um, Arkansas 17th strength of schedule, Alabama 44th, uh, Bama fifth in yards per play margin and Arkansas 27th. I'm concerned that Arkansas likes to run the football so much. You know, I don't think that's really the way to success against this Alabama defense. Alabama second in the nation and run defense grade at PFF. Um, giving up 2.63 yards per carry. That defensive line is very good. Uh, some great run stuffers there in the middle. And, I, you know, I don't see this type of run-heavy team being the type of offense that really has success against Alabama. And, and like Parker said, 
they're used to having success on first down. I don't think they're going to have as much success on first down. They get in third and longs where we know they're going to pass. I don't think that's a great uh, great spot for Arkansas. And Alabama's offense, um, 13th in PFF offense grade. Arkansas, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad Parker pointed that out because Arkansas, their defense looks above average if you look at the entire season. But in recent games, they have some really poor uh, defensive grades. Alabama, 56.64% on third down so far this year. That's tremendous. I, I'm sure that there's a lot of there's been a lot of third and shorts in there. Uh, still impressive. And Arkansas's defense has some re- regression due in the red zone, in my opinion. Um, opponents have seven turnovers in the red zone against them. So, uh, you know, that's not the type of thing that I would expect to continue. I don't like laying this many points, guys. But if I had to bet this game, I would lay the points here with Alabama. Yeah, none of us has an official play on this one. Uh, we don't feel super strong. Alabama, of course, has Auburn coming up next week. So is this a look-ahead spot? I don't think so. I think this is the time of year that Nick Saban typically you know, runs this thing up, gets the motor running, if you will. I, I don't feel strongly about it one way or the other. Would it surprise me if Arkansas keeps this within the number? Absolutely not. What would shock me is if Arkansas were to win the ballgame. Uh, don't think that's going to happen. But we will stay away from this. Let's move into an AAC game that looks like it could be a massive, massive matchup. SMU heading to Cincinnati, and the Bearcats are an 11.5-point favorite here. A total of 65 on this. Looks like a ton of points, which most SMU games provide that. Uh, Cincinnati did win this last year, 42-13. to Since he is 2-1 against the spread, in their last three against the Mustangs. SMU 5-2 and two against the spread, their last seven as a road dog. Cincy 3-2 and two against the spread this season as a home favorite. They are 0-4 against the number in their last four games. Cincinnati has not played well thus far. Kyle, I want to start off with you on this. I, I think Cincinnati will be able to take advantage of this SMU defense. I, SMU, as far as big plays allowed, 20-plus yard plays allowed, number 115 for that Mustang defense. Uh, Cincinnati has gotten used to playing teams that run the football, and SMU has been throwing the ball 60% of the time. Uh, the last four opponents have run on an average of 60% of the time, and now you're just completely flipping it against that Bearcat defense. I wonder if this matchup is more advantageous to Cincinnati. You uh, you got a feel on this one? Well, there's plenty of pressure on Cincinnati, you know, as there has been in recent weeks in general. Um, frankly, they haven't looked very good with that pressure on them. Uh, in fact, Cincinnati's worst three defensive performances of the year, according to PFF grades, that's their last three games. So uh, they're not trending in the right direction. Now, I will say the Bearcats secondary is elite. Uh, you know, this is a tremendous unit. SMU is going to have to run the football some in this game if they're going to have success because they can't just drop back and throw it every single play against the secondary. Uh, SMU is 29th in defensive success rate. But just loads of big plays, like Gary said, 57 plays of 20 yards or more, 125th out of 130 in explosiveness rate allowed. Um, It's crazy to see a Cincinnati total in the mid-60s, but I think it's justified. I really do. Um, SMU has a way of making these games pretty pointsy. Um, If Cincinnati plays like they have in the last few weeks, uh, frankly, they could lose outright in in a game like this because they're just not playing well. I'm not saying they will lose outright, but the Bearcats really need to step it up. Um, if I had to bet this game, I would uh, lean taking SMU plus the points here, thinking this is a real challenge for Cincinnati. I think SMU is a well-coached team. Um, SMU probably can find ways to score here. And while I think Cincinnati can score, uh, last year's game against SMU was a little bit misleading as far as the the final score in that game. And I think SMU can be competitive in a game like this. So uh, I'm going to lean SMU here. That totally makes sense. Parker, uh, net points per drive here, Cincinnati number five, SMU number 17. Uh, It looks like it could end up being a fairly decent matchup. Uh, Again, I'll give you the same question I gave Kyle. Does this play into Cincinnati's advantage if SMU is going to throw the ball 60% of the time, or do you think SMU might need to change up what they're doing in order to be able to uh, take advantage of what Cincy's doing on defense? Yeah, so, so my question here ultimately comes down to, has Cincinnati been tested in the secondary 
at a level like this all season? And I think the answer is no. SMU has four legitimate dudes in the passing game, right? Danny Gray, Rashi Rice, Reggie Roberson Jr., and Grant Calcaterra all have 60-plus targets. All are averaging 12 or more yards per reception. Um, just absolutely lights out in the ways that they can kill you through the pass game. And so I wonder if this stress test for Cincinnati's defense isn't going to come at, at the right time for SMU because Cincinnati has been so poor against the run the last couple of weeks. Maybe they're working on that in practice. Maybe they're focusing on that and SMU can spread them out. Obviously, they're not going to get surprised by SMU passing. What I mean to say is just um, it could sneak up on them uh, a, a little bit there. SMU 11th in EPA per pass, 109th in EPA per rush. Um, again, that that's a ceiling there that, you know, uh, Cincinnati's defense is, is 15th in passing success rate and 14th in EPA per pass. But all you need is one big play every couple of, uh, every couple of plays to keep pace with the Cincinnati team. Um, the SMU defense, of course, not not very good, uh, especially against the pass, 111th. But Cincinnati's only been 69th on the pass. And so SMU's rush defense, 6th overall. Cincinnati's rush offense, ninth overall. Cincinnati's going to have to pass to keep up with SMU. And uh, I, I don't know if they'll be able to do it as consistently or at, at a level like they, um, uh, excuse me, uh, at a high enough level to be able to keep pace here. I envision this being a lot like the Houston SMU game where the last possession won. Um, and, and it's interesting to see Desmond Ritter has been very good in the past. He's been consistent, but downfield explosiveness is not what you think of when you think of Desmond Ritter. I think the SMU can keep this within double digits, um, even on the road. And I, I think that... Um, SMU has a chance to win this outright if they can hit a couple bad, big pass plays to their secondary options on, on offense. I I like it. Let's go ahead and make it official. Parker's going to ride with the Mustangs here, plus 11 and a half. Uh, this definitely looks like the kind of spot where Cincinnati can get got, as we like to say. Uh, they have not played well thus far in the last like four or five weeks, however long. And, and now you're going up against a good opponent that can beat you. I, I like it, Parker. SMU plus 11 and a half. Let's, uh, let's move into the Big Ten right quick. Minnesota heading to Indiana. And, of course, the Hoosiers, a seven and a half point underdog here. Total of 43 and a half. Uh, the last meeting between these two was in 2018. Minnesota won that 38 to 31. But Minnesota has won and covered five of the last six against the Hoosiers. And that is dating all the way back to 2005. So it's not exactly current data. Uh, Minnesota 3-1 and one against the spread on the road in 2021. They did not cover the closing line against Iowa last week. Um, but that's one of those where if you catch the line early, it, it's going to do good things for you. They lost by five. They uh, The closing line was four and a half. I think uh, Kyle actually got it at Minnesota plus five and a half. So he, he split the difference. There you go. Um, Minnesota, of course, has been good on the road. Indiana, just not great this season uh two and eight against the spread this season only one of those covers was actually against an fbs team outside of the maryland game where indiana scored 35 points uh, they have scored 6.33 points per game against six big 10 teams this season that is just unbelievable to me unbelievable parker i want to start off with you on this uh I, you know i love to look at net points per drive minnesota is number 42 in this metric indiana is number 118 I, I just I cannot find anything that the Hoosiers are actually really good at. What uh what is your feel on this one? Yeah, I mean, if I was just grasping at straws here, trying to find something to say, nice to say about Indiana, I think I would say that their rushing EPA is is substantially better than their passing EPA, and Minnesota is a run-heavy team. And so maybe it'll be slow enough that they can keep it close here. But Minnesota, I think, is a team that um, – it maybe doesn't have the playmakers to be consistently excellent week in, week out, but they've been very consistently okay. Um, you know, the Illinois game, a couple third and longs early kind of dug them in a hole, and I can explain that one away. But but generally, I think that Indiana has been consistently bad and Minnesota has been consistently good. So um, one thing to look at that I think will matter a whole lot, in terms of game control, Minnesota echo ratio ninth in the nation at 60.4%. Uh, Indiana is 127th at 35.5. So, I mean, I think Minnesota should control this game in all facets. I didn't pick this one. I have this as about 12-point advantage for Minnesota, and I believe in that. I've bet on Minnesota like three times this year, and they've gotten me every time. So I stayed away. <laughs> totally fair. Uh, Kyle, one of the things that I look at on this, um, defensive uh, points per drive uh, for Indiana is number 100, and offensive points per drive 
for Indiana is number 126. Uh, if you cannot score, I, I don't know how you are going to be able to cover. They, I mean, they've scored seven points in their last game, three points in the game before that. Uh, they did have the one game where they put up 35 on Maryland, but Minnesota's defense is substantially better than Maryland's. Uh, give me give me your thoughts on the Hoosiers and uh, and the Golden Gophers here. Yeah, we have found out that Maryland's defense is pretty bad. So I, I think that uh, speaks a lot to why they were able to score in that game. Um, there's not too much positive to say about Indiana's season. Guys, I do, I do kind of feel bad for Tom Allen, to be honest, because I don't think he's a bad coach. Uh, you know, they've had uh, they were fortunate to have the record they had last year, certainly. Uh, but lots of poor injury luck this year, and I still think he's a good motivator of his team. I don't think they're going to quit or anything, but uh, that offense is so bad, like you've said, Gary. Uh, it's hard to see them scoring many points, and even this total sitting at 43.5, I think that might be a bit too high, if anything. Uh, Minnesota plays really slowly, uh, and they're going to run the football a lot, so I, I would see a lot of uh, long drives for Minnesota that take a lot of the time. Minnesota outgained Iowa by more than 100 yards last week, um, shout out to Ference for not even trying to score at the end of that game that, that saved the plus five and a half. Um, the Golden Gophers are running the ball early and often. Uh, 69% of their plays have been runs. Indiana has one strength as a team, and that's not giving up big plays on defense. But I think that Minnesota should be happy to slowly move the ball down the field. They've done that against a lot of opponents. Uh, six turnovers for Indiana last week and one for 14 on third down against Rutgers. Um, this Hoosiers offense is really a mess right now. I lean to the under and Minnesota. Um, Minnesota, I do have one question for Parker. I know you can explain away the Illinois game. Can you explain the Bowling Green game? <laughs> you know, sometimes, Kyle, life just gives you these magical moments. And if you try and put them in a box, you lose them. <laughs> Fair. It's, I have gotta no be, idea. Got to be a goldfish in, uh, in college football, man. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Imagine if Minnesota had actually won the division this year. Like, how do you explain losing oh, to Bowling Green and yet beating some of these other teams that they've had success against? Uh, I don't get it, but I will tell you this. I'm not just going to lean it. I'm actually going to take Minnesota minus the 7.5. I took it at minus 7. I uh, I am going to roll with them as the 7.5-point favorite. The stat that stands out to me, uh, we talked about the EPA per rush for uh, Indiana's defense. Uh, you look a little bit deeper, and... They are only number 95 in stuff rate. Um, Minnesota is going to have success on the ground. It may not be a ton, but I think they're going to have uh, enough success to be able to win this by double digits. So I'm going to take Minnesota minus that 7.5, and, a half, and uh, that will be, of course, an official play for me. Now, we will move into a fascinating matchup. Conference USA, UAB, heads to UTSA, and Texas San Antonio a five-point favorite. The Roadrunners, meet meep, we're all over it. 53-and-a-half the total. UAB won this matchup last year, 21-13. to In the last four matchups, UAB is 4-0 and straight up, 3-1 and against the spread. However, none of those UTSA teams were close to as good as this year's team is. Uh, of course, the two-headed monster, Frank Harris and Sincere McCormick, doing what they do. UAB is 2-1 and against the spread as a road dog this year. That one loss was at Georgia uh, they are 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five games, but that does include an actual outright loss as a 20-plus point favorite against Rice at home, which still makes no sense. Uh, UTSA 5-2 and two against the spread this year as a favorite. Kyle, I want to start off with you. Um, UTSA's pass rush should have success in this game. Um, you look at the numbers, number 27 in defensive adjusted sack rate. Uh, UAB is number 119 in that metric on offense. UAB cannot stop them from rushing the passer. I think that's going to be a massive, massive advantage. Uh, UTSA, number seven net points per drive. UAB, number 51. UTSA can put points on the board. Kyle, uh, Kyle what you got on it? You know, I wanted to take UTSA in this game. Uh, the more I looked into it, the more I was a little bit concerned about laying the points here with UTSA. Um, similar SOS on each side. Um, UAB, 19th in yards per play margin. UTSA, 30th. I don't like betting against Bill Clark. I think Bill Clark's a fantastic coach. Uh, 40 and 27 against the spread all time is Bill Clark. Um, last year's game is really important to, to mention, though. It was 21 to 13 UAB, but UTSA was playing their third and fourth string quarterbacks for the majority of that game. So last year's game means basically nothing. You know, Harris has been pretty good in this offense, and we know McCormick's tremendous. 
the question to me is, can UTSA run the football in UAB? Uh, that, that's going to say a lot to how this game goes. UAB is 12th in yards per carry allowed, 15th in rushing play success rate allowed. The other question for me is UAB willing to throw the football because that's where they could have a bit of an edge. UAB usually runs the football quite a bit. UTSA is tremendous against the run, 12th in run success rate allowed, 64th in passing play success rate allowed. So I'm curious to see if UAB is a bit willing to change up their game script a little bit. Uh, You know, UAB is plus two turnover margin on the season, UTSA plus 11. So they've certainly uh, benefited from the plus 11 turnover margin. I want to bet UTSA because I love their upside and I, I really like to root for that team, but I really respect Clark and UAB too much to pull the trigger here. So I'm going to punt this one to Parker. It's, I, I tend to feel the exact same way, by the way. I told Parker before we went live that I like the minus five, but I will not bet against Bill Clark. I can't do it. <laughs> He's gotten me too many times when I bet against him. I don't like doing it. Uh, Parker, give me give me your thoughts here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I actually got this at, yeah, I got this at five on, on Sunday. Um, I, and and. Honestly, I, I think one we need to point out it's a darn shame that the game that decides the Conference USA West division is on ESPN Plus, and they couldn't find a way to televise it uh, nationally. That's just so dumb, just completely out of touch there. Um, this is going to be a great game, and and I do agree that I would be scared to get bet against Bill Clark if uh, if UTSA hadn't had a complete what in the world is going on game last week against Southern Miss. Southern Miss has no quarterbacks. They are terrible. Frank Gore Jr. runs the Wildcat quarterback for the entire game and is just absolutely a thorn in UTSA's side. I think they got the what the heck is going on game out. And I think that they match up really, really well with what UAB wants to do. So like Kyle said, 103rd in early downs rush rate for uh, for UAB. They're 61.9% of the time. And they're first in EPA rush raw unadjusted uh, since week five. But UTSA is 12th in EPA per rush on defense. The Blazers need explosive runs on early downs to kind of avoid those situations where they have to make uh, conversions on third and long to extend drives. And UTSA is really good at preventing those and really, really good um, at, at third and fourth down success on defense. I do think their defense is a little bit underrated this year. Um, on the flip side, UAB's defense is really good, but the symmetry matches up really nicely. Uh, UAB is a little bit better against the pass and the rush on defense, 18th to 27 in EPA, uh, whereas UTSA is a little bit better to the pass than the rush on offense, 25th to 37th. And UTSA really, really, really balanced on offense, uh, 54.8% early downs rush rate. And so I think that with the balanced attack, they're going to be able to keep the UAB defense on their toes. They're going to be able to extend drives um, with with third down success, and they're going to be able to force UAB's offense into obvious passing situations. And yes, UTA's passing defense is a little bit worse than their defense on the whole 64th, but opponents have mostly been rushing against them. And so I think there's a little bit of a selection issue there um, as well. I think that UAB needs explosiveness, and UTSA does a really good job of preventing explosiveness. And so I'm going to take the Roadrunners and some points here. I like it. Let's make it official. Parker is going to ride with UTSA, minus five, meep meep indeed. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, now that we are about halfway through this show, like the video for us. A lot more people watching than have actually liked the video. Click that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. Reminder again for next week, we are doing a show on Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. There will not be a show on Thanksgiving, so make sure that you catch the longer extended version of the show on Wednesday afternoon next week uh of course hit the notification bell that's going to actually tell you when we go live and if you have not already go back and watch yesterday's show we discussed uh nine different games along with the q a so if you have any games in the early slate that you wanted to uh, get an idea on that would be the uh, the noon eastern time slate we discussed them yesterday so go ahead and check those out uh jump in the q a again if you would like for us to discuss anything uh or sorry the chat if you want anything in the q a at the end of the show we are going to get a move on. We are moving to another Conference USA game. North Texas heading to Florida International, and Florida International is a 10-point underdog at home, total of 57.5. These two teams have not played since 2014. FIU's leading running back, Devontae Price, is going to be out for this game as well. He missed last week. There was hope that he could be back this week, uh, but alas, he will not be North Texas 3-0 against the spread this year as a favorite. They have started rolling as of late, 
FIU 2-7 and seven against the spread their last nine games. Uh, the last three, they are 0-3, failed to cover by an average of 22 points a game. Um, guys, uh, Parker, I want to start off with you on this. Uh, Florida International's average score margin in the last three games, uh, they, they have lost by 33.7 points per game. And I just, I have to wonder if all the stuff that came out with Butch Davis and just slamming the administration and whatnot, does any of this play into what is happening at Florida International? Because right now, again, we don't use the Q word, but this is a program that really just looks like they don't want to be out on the field right now. Uh, does any of that play into this? Yeah, it's funny because somebody asked yesterday about uh, coaches, and then we we were kind of like, yeah, we don't really you know think about like coaches leaving, whatever. And this isn't just a coach situation. This is you know things are going on. There's a lot going on off field here for Florida International. Um, I don't have a great read on this game, and, and so I don't have a lean here. Um, one thing that I will point out: uh, FIU pretty good at early downs EPA, 19th overall. They're 110th in third and fourth down success. They just absolutely cannot run the ball. I want someone to help Max Bordenschlager out. Somebody help my guy Max B out. The dude has uh, 16 passes that have been dropped. He's under pressure over 40% of the time. It is a rough scene at FIU for for Max B and the Panthers. And now what you just brought up is exactly the note that I've got on this game. FIU number 116 in offensive adjusted sack rate. That ain't good. North Texas, number 26 in defensive adjusted sack rate. They are going to get pressure on him. And I feel like Max being able to throw the football may be the only chance for Florida International to stay in this game. Uh, I mean, I, I love North Texas here. Kyle, um, North Texas is running on 63% of their plays over the last three games. You, uh, you got a read on this one? North Texas with uh, over 500 yards and a big win over Southern Miss a couple weeks ago, 423 yards against UTEP. So this North Texas offense has been getting better here of late, certainly. And FIU, um, you know, I hate to say this, but I, they've been a dumpster fire of late. I mean, what what can we say positive about FIU at this point? Um, you know, Butch Davis and all the things that he said, um, none of that could be um, considered positive in any way for this football team at this point. Um, I think this game is far less about numbers than the current situation and the momentum of these two teams. Uh, so I don't have a bunch of numbers for you, but I just would tell you, I couldn't bet FIU with somebody else's money right now. So there's no way uh, FIU is getting my money. Um, you know, North Texas laying points can kind of scare you. But if you look at the way that their trajectory of late, uh, I think it makes sense, uh, Gary. So I certainly lean uh, the same direction that you're betting this one. That's I actually had North Texas as a 17-point favorite in this game, and the line is 10. I know it's a lot, but if you if you take the entire season, yeah, 10 would make sense. If you just look at what they've been doing lately, uh, this line is way off to me. Jerry jumped in on the chat. Still hard to lay 10 against a very average team. North Texas plays too many close games to back them. Uh, it, this is not an average team in FIU. I mean, they're just not. Like it, This is not a good football team right now. Uh, I will certainly take the favorite here. Let's go ahead and make it an official play. North Texas minus the 10. I'm all in on it. Seth Luttrell, do me right, my friend. Do me right. All right, moving on to a massive game in the Pac-12, Oregon. The Ducks are heading over to Utah, and the Utes, a three-point favorite, even as a three-loss team against a one-loss number three-ranked Ducks. Uh, Utah, a three-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. The under or sorry, the total, I guess, is 59 here. Oregon won the last matchup between these two in 2019 in the Pac-12 title game, 37-15, to and just kind of smoked them. They are 3-1 and one straight up in the last four and, uh, and against the spread against Utah. Uh, this feels like a pretty good matchup for Oregon. They've kind of had their number lately. Uh, I don't know how much those numbers actually play out this season, though. Uh, Oregon 4-0 straight up and against the spread their last four as a road dog. Um, I, I tend to feel okay uh, about the Ducks here. It kind of surprised me until you start digging into the numbers a little bit. I, I want to start off with you, Kyle, on this. Both teams are incredibly even regarding points per drive. On offense, Utah's number 15, Oregon number 16. On defense, Utah number 51, Oregon number 56. I It's tough to get a great read on this game, exactly which way it's going to go, uh, but a night game in uh, Rice Eccles Stadium. Give me, uh, give me your thoughts here. 
Yeah, night game at Salt Lake City. Uh, great place to play. Uh, big home field advantage for for sure. And uh, Whittingham's a great coach. I, I think he's probably still underrated by most people. Oregon has played Utah very tough in recent years, and I think that probably has uh, Utah's attention in a big way in this game. Utah can uh, pressure the opposing quarterback, and I don't really trust Anthony Brown under pressure. Um, the question is, can Utah slow down the Oregon running game? I think that's a key to this game here. Um, Eileen Utah here, certainly. I think they've rounded into form nicely since Cam Rising took over. And I, I think it would surprise most people to find out that Utah is first in the Pac-12 in yards per carry, 6.09 yards per carry in conference play. Uh, that's that's certainly at least partially because uh, Stanford provided uh, zero resistance against them in that game, but it's still impressive. You know, it goes into the average. Um, and I mean, Oregon played Stanford as well. So um, this is a this is a strength of schedule for Oregon is only 63rd. Utah is 36th. And these two teams are almost exactly tied in yards per play margin. Oregon is plus nine in turnover margin. That's helped them out quite a bit in this one. Um, I will say I saw Parker's model numbers on this one. I thought Parker might be hammering the over in this one. But uh, this one could be a bit higher scoring than some people think. Um, You know, I would lean toward Utah and I would lean toward an over, thinking that both offenses have a bit more success than you would think because – Utah's defense hasn't been quite as good as what we've seen in recent years, but their offense has improved here uh, compared to recent years. So um, I, I trust Whittingham more than I trust Cristobal. Uh, I'm going to lean toward Utah in this one. At Parker, as far as the defensive line and offensive line for Utah is concerned, uh, we've we've said all year this isn't the same kind of Kyle Whittingham team that we've seen. However, the numbers might beg to differ on that. They are number 12 in stuff rate on defense. Uh, number seven in offensive line opportunity rate. Uh, it seems like they're getting a pretty good push on both sides of the ball. What uh, what are your thoughts on it? First in EPA per rush, but they're 65th in rushing success rate. And so, again, that discrepancy there lets me think, hey, on average, they're doing pretty okay at not allowing successes. And they have been burned a little bit on big plays. Um, I, I don't think that's been a problem as of late. I think they're very consistent. Again, we, we can't overstate their home road splits. Um, 4-0 at home, 3-3 three and three on the road for Utah. Really, really good. Elevation seems to be throwing the Pac-12 for a loop this year, especially when you consider that BYU, I think, is, what, 3-1 and one, uh, against, against Pac-12 teams? Um, and so I, I really think that at home, and uh, surging a little bit lately. I, I think that they're going to be a little bit better um, against the rush. Oregon has basically faced no uh, no deterrence in the run game at all. They've been first in rushing success rate, but they're 61st in EPA per pass. So really not uh, multidimensional on offense. Another thing I want to point out about Oregon that has my eye this game. Last week in that game versus Washington, I mean, this, this game was very close. Um, and, and a couple key Washington state, uh, mistakes gave Oregon had a, a, a touchdown drive of 32 yards after an interception, a touchdown drive of 40 yards after an interception, uh, earlier in the game as well. Um, they fumbled on their first drive, uh, all the way at the Oregon seven. So, I mean, the final score 38, 24, that was closer to a one score game in, in terms of kind of the drive quality. And so I think Oregon's been, uh, kind of underperforming and just getting by, and I don't expect Utah to make these same mistakes. Um, on offense, Utah, 92nd in early downs rush rate. They are going to run the ball a lot. They are second in EPA per rush, and they are 10th in success, uh, rushing success rate. So I think that they'll really, really challenge Oregon's defense, which is only 39th in rushing, but they'll also have an opportunity to kind of go deep. Their passing attack is 13th in EPA per pass. Uh, and so I think that the consistency of Utah provided uh, that they kind of have an explosive ceiling in both dimensions of the ball will will really, really provide a lot of problems for Oregon's defense here. I expect Utah to uh, to win outright and cover at home. I like it. Let's make it an official play. Parker going to ride with the Utes. Kyle Whittingham to get the cover there at a three-point favorite. That's going to move us into an SEC game. And this one is a little bit exciting because, of course, Parker and I both have uh, ridden on South Alabama quite a bit this season. Uh, Not sure that we're going to go that direction here. South Alabama heads to Knoxville, Tennessee to take on the Vols. The Vols are a 28-point favorite here, total of 62. Jake Bentley, just for those keeping track at home, he's he's not playing, of course. uh, uh, He's out for the season, but... 
he was 3-0 and straight up against uh, Tennessee as a starter when he was at South Carolina. Would have been fun to see him in this matchup. Uh, South Alabama, 1-2 and two against the spread of their last, uh, let's see, last three as a dog this year. I guess it's only been three times this year. Uh, they have lost their last two against Troy and against App State. Um, I mean, they just they got smoked last week. Tennessee, 3-0 and against the spread of their last three as a favorite. Uh, it's tough to look at these numbers here and try and get an idea of what South, uh, South Alabama is without Jake Bentley at quarterback. Uh, Desmond Trotter is the guy that started last season. He comes in this season, and so far it has not gone well. Uh, Parker, I want to start off with you. South Alabama, number 26 in stuff rate. Tennessee likes to run the football. I don't know that South Alabama has faced quite the uh, the team that they will face on Saturday. Give me uh, give me your thoughts here. Yeah, the, the physicality, I mean, is just... Um... Man, the physicality difference is going to be really, really rough for South Alabama. They are um, 26th in raw EPA per rush on defense, but that clearly does not account for the the disparity in a quality of opponent that um, Tennessee has played. Tennessee, uh, 73rd in EPA per rush on offense, but 36th in rushing success rate. I expect their explosiveness to be a lot higher because they will create a lot more opportunity here. Um, one, one thing to note about uh, South Alabama's offense, too, uh, Jalen Tolbert with without Jake Bentley has has just almost been erased. He did pretty okay against App State. They kind of found him some ways to get the ball, but really, I mean, again, the problem with South Alabama has been they have not been able to get their best player the ball consistently. Um, Tennessee's defense, 62nd in EPA per pass. Um, I, I really think that they'll be able to take away any deep threat that USA might have, and that would be USA's kind of key to winning this game or even keeping this respectable. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, you look at team talent, Kyle. Uh, Tennessee, number 19 in team talent overall. That's uh, from 247 Sports, their team talent composite. Uh, number 19 for them, and USA is number 93. I mean, it's just a whole different class of athlete that we're dealing with here. You uh, you got to read on this one. You know, I like what Kane Womack has done for South Bama. I think they've done a tremendous job this year, especially defensively. Seventh in success rate allowed. 23rd in yards per play allowed, like Parker said. Um, it has a lot to do with competition, certainly, but this South Alabama defense wasn't nearly that good even against that competition last year. Uh, this is an offense in South Alabama that goes up a Tennessee uh, up against a Tennessee defense that I think has been better than what I thought they would be this season. 56th in yards per play allowed, and they've played some really good offenses throughout the course of the season. So, uh, with the tempo that they play at and the pressure it puts on their defense, I think their defense has actually been pretty good. And I know App State has a good defense, but South Bama with just 3.9 yards per play in that game last week was a pretty bad showing. Um, South Alabama has virtually no running game. And then you get rid of Bentley uh, and kind of take Tolbert out of the equation. I'm wondering how they're going to score here against Tennessee. I, I mean, they'll probably score some points, but their offensive line ranks 121st out of 130 teams in the country in pass blocking grade. I think they're going to have to be throwing the football quite a bit. Um, Tennessee is going to get a lot of heat on their quarterback in this one. I don't see them having much success. And to me, this is such a high total for a game that's um, highly unlikely to be competitive. So I don't love taking Tennessee unders. And I will say this is a bit of a hold your nose bet, but I'm going to take the under on this one. It totally, totally makes sense. Official play from Kyle the Tennessee-South Alabama under 62 on that. That moves us into a night game in the Mountain West. Wyoming heading to Utah State. I think everybody at this point knows how much I love what Blake Anderson is doing there. Utah State, a five-and-a-half point favorite. The total sits at 52-and-a-half. And you look at some of these numbers. Uh, Utah State won the last matchup 26-21. to 21. Uh, These two teams are 2-2 two and two straight up. Uh, Utah State is one and three against the spread. Their last four against Wyoming. Wyoming is number ninety-one in points uh, per offensive possession. Um, or sorry, points offensive points per drive. Bleh. A lot of different ways to say that. Uh, Wyoming has covered two straight uh, after failing to cover five straight before that. I mean, they won four straight to win or to begin the season and just fell off a cliff. It seemed like uh, they are one and six straight up in their last seven games. Utah State has won and covered four straight games. They won their last three by an average of 24.3 points per game. Uh, Kyle, I want to start off here. Logan Bonner at quarterback has been awesome, but but their defense, 
for Utah State. Number four in stuff rate. I was a little shocked about that. And you go back and you actually look at this team, and the defense has actually played pretty well. What uh, What's your read on this? Yeah, and I think maybe maybe Parker can add some to this, but uh, Utah State's defense has certainly played better lately, too. If you look at the recent games, uh, I'm sure they played better in those games than what they did earlier in the season. Uh, both of these teams really well coached. Uh, I like Craig Bull. I love uh, Blake Anderson. Uh, I don't have a strong lean on this game, so I'll be quick. Utah State... Only 20 touchdowns and 42 trips into the red zone. So, uh, you know, an explosive offense that I think probably will be better in the red zone than what they've been so far uh, this year. Strength on strength with third in explosiveness for Utah State, 12th for Wyoming explosiveness allowed. Uh, Wyoming's going to run the ball early and often in this game. And and frankly, uh, regardless who's who's been at quarterback, Wyoming's quarterback play has not been very good. Um, Logan Bonner's tremendous. Uh, I think he is... Uh, the real deal there, and Utah State has a good enough running game to keep people honest. Uh, this this number is right where I had this number, so I have no lean on this one. I'll, I'll just uh, pass on this one. Uh, Parker, um, you know I've been all over Blake Anderson this season. Uh, when Logan Bonner went out for a little bit, it didn't look like things were going to be all right, but uh, but they turned okay, and now they have completely turned the corner. I, uh, I got to get your idea on this one. I mean, I, you know I loved Wyoming in the preseason, what, uh, what are you thinking about them now? Last week, remember, I had kind of a crazy theory about Wyoming's bad at playing in the cold. I've got another one this week, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. I'm not going to lie. Utah State, on the road, 5-0. and At home, 3-2. and Blake Anderson brought in 11 transfers, none of them from any place that has any kind of elevation close to what they've got at Utah State. I think that his guys legitimately are not acclimated to the altitude and, are, and, and might be struggling. Uh, on the season. I think that Utah State at home might have a little bit of an issue just with the quick turnaround of all those transfers. Just a crazy theory. Um, They have played so well lately, um, especially on defense, seventh in EPA per rush, which is notable because Wyoming's only only heartbeat on offense is rushing. They're rushing 64.2% of the time on early downs. They're 61st in EPA per rush, 69th in offensive success rate on rushing. And so Utah State is going to be able to kick uh, Wyoming's legs out from under them. Absolutely there. Um, on, on the flip side, it will be interesting to see if Wyoming can force Utah State to be one-dimensional. There is a huge split in Utah State. Um, 29th in EPA per pass on offense, but 119th in EPA per rush. And uh, they're passing uh, 58.7% of early downs. And so they're actually, uh, excuse me, they're rushing 58.7% of early downs. So they're rushing a whole lot. And that volume is really not paying off for them. Wyoming's rush defense is pretty good. If they can shut that down and kind of force the passing situations to be more third and long instead of, you know, first and down, first and second down and kind of open situations, I wonder if they can't be a little bit disruptive here. But I think Utah State should win this comfortably. Wyoming, uh, you know, last week, they covered, and that was fun for our records. I do not believe that was necessarily informative uh, going forward, especially the way that they covered at the very end with the big play. But um, I really think that their offense is going to struggle to do anything against Utah State, and we've seen that Utah State can put up points. Yes, I agree with you 100%. I'm going to make it official. Utah State is the play for me. Uh, they are rolling here lately. I expect them to be able to handle Wyoming. So official play, Utah State minus five and a half here. Uh, Guys, they can get to 10 wins this year. I mean, they were putrid under Gary Anderson. And Blake Anderson comes in immediately, flips that thing around. I love it. Love what they are doing. We've got two more. If you have anything else that you want to put into the chat for the Q&A, make sure and toss it in there. Um, Also, getting word, uh, time may change for next Wednesday. So make sure and hit that notification bell. Make sure you are subscribed, hit the notification bell, and, of course, follow us on Twitter. The links are in the description, and we will let you know exactly when uh, we are going live next week. So we'll, we'll figure all of this out as we go. Uh, Oklahoma State headed to Texas Tech here, and Texas Tech got a massive win last week against Iowa State. I don't think a lot of people uh, expected that one. Oklahoma State won this matchup last year, 50-44. to 44. The line this go-around, Oklahoma State a 10-point favorite on the road, a total of 56-and-a-half. Um, you know, Oklahoma State is 3-2 and two straight up in their last five against Texas Tech. They are 0-5 against the spread, against the Red Raiders. A little surprising to me when I, when I found those stats. Uh, Oklahoma State has covered in eight straight games. Kyle, I want to start off with you on this one. Uh, 
does Oklahoma State maybe get caught looking ahead a little bit because Bedlam is next week? Uh, you don't want to be caught in that spot against Texas Tech, who can do some really good things on offense. Give me, uh, give me your thoughts here. The Big 12 is a bit tough to figure out this year. Uh, a team like Iowa State that has so much potential and then just is so inconsistent. Texas Tech was 7.9 yards per play and more than 500 yards against an Iowa State defense that really should be good last week. Uh, they, they've been very inconsistent, though. And You know who has a consistent defense is Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's been tremendous in every way. They're first in the nation in sacks this year. They really have no weakness. They're great against the run, great against the pass. So I trust the Oklahoma State defense uh, to do a good job in this game. The question is the Oklahoma State offense. Are they going to be good enough to lay this many points? Um, you know, this is an Oklahoma State offense that it has improved a bit here of late. I think Spencer Sanders is still a question mark. Their running game has been better than what they were earlier in the season. Oklahoma State is third in special teams grade at PFF, and Texas Tech is 75th. So big edge there for Oklahoma State. The other thing is Oklahoma State is 19-7 and against the spread in their last 26 versus a team with a winning record. And I know I've said this quite a bit, but Mike Gundy has been a moneymaker in a big way. 98-64 and against the spread, that's 60.5%. 74-47 as a favorite. Uh, I can't argue with that. I don't have a strong lean, but if you made me bet this game, I'd have to bet Oklahoma State. Uh, Parker, Oklahoma State's averaging .615 points per play over the last three games. Texas Tech on defense is giving up .622. That's number seven on offense for uh, Oklahoma State and number 125 on defense for Texas Tech. Uh, this appears that it could end up being a bludgeoning. What, uh, what have you got for us? I think last week one was super fun. Shout out to the Texas Tech kicker who walked it off with a 62-yard field goal in Lubbock. Um, but it is important to note, especially of late, Iowa State's defense has been 82nd um, in EPA per play allowed. They, they've really, really been struggling down the stretch. Um, they were down 28-7 uh, to 7 at one point last week. Uh, I, Texas Tech scored on five, four of their scored touchdowns on four of their six first half drives and then a field goal on the fifth. Um, so, so a really good offensive showing and Texas Tech's offense is 48th, nothing to sneeze at. Um, actually a little bit better against the rush, which is important for this game. So Texas Tech, they have a, a stable kind of a trio of running backs there. 14th in EPA per rush. They're running the ball on 57.1% of early downs, which is 81st in the nation. Oklahoma State is first in EPA per rush allowed on defense, just absolutely shutting it down. They are, um, 10th in, in rushing success rate, it is going to be hard to, to clean up any kind of um, short yarded situation. It's going to be hard to create any space for your passing game for Texas Tech here. So a good win last week for Texas Tech. And that was, you know, that's always fun. College football is fun. But I think this defense for Oklahoma State is so much more consistent than Texas Tech. And the Oklahoma State offense has been bad. It's coming along. Um, it, it really is. They're they're up to 59th in EPA per pass. They're really, really balanced. 54.4% uh, early downs rush rate. Um, and then, of course, the, the stat that's really telling here in terms of game control, Oklahoma State, 65.8% of uh, quality possessions have been theirs. That's second in the nation. Texas Tech, that's only 52. Note, um, the play-by-play -play gods have done something to the Oklahoma State game. My numbers here aren't even factoring in the fact that, TC that Oklahoma State beat the absolute snot out of TCU with impunity last week. So this Oklahoma State team, I don't think they're worried about Bedlam. I think they're worried about the playoff. And I think this week they'll take an opportunity to work on the passing game, run the score up a little bit, um, and, and take care of business in Lubbock. Flex the muscle just a little bit for the Cowboys. I can understand it. I can totally understand it. I like where you're going. We're going to make it official. Parker, Oklahoma State, minus 10 is his play. Uh, we've got one more game before the Q&A, so if anybody wants to jump in with questions, do so in the chat. Now, Arizona State heading to Oregon State for a little Pac-12 after dark. And the Beavers, a three-point home underdog that is juiced at minus 105 on the Beaver side. The total sits at 59 here. Arizona State won this matchup last season, 46 to 33. Arizona State three and one straight up and against the spread. Their last four against Oregon State. Now you look at this season. Arizona State one and three against the number on the road. Uh, both teams are five and five overs and unders this season. There's no total trend here really. But if you look at these teams. Uh, 
Oregon State number 81 in plays per game. Arizona State number 110. They like to be methodical. Parker, I want to start off with you. Arizona State is number two in offensive line opportunity rate. Uh, Oregon State number 102 in stuff rate. Uh, on the other side, Oregon State number three in OL opportunity rate. Uh, and Arizona State number 48 in stuff rate. Arizona State is the more talented team. I think it is safe to question which one is the more well-coached team. What Jonathan Smith has done with the Beavers is really impressive. What uh, what do you think on the Beavers and the uh, and Arizona State? The asymmetry here is really interesting to me because both teams do have very good rushing attacks. Oregon State 13th in EPA per rush, Arizona State 17th on offense. So, um, I, I mean, re- really, really good rushing attacks. But the, the difference for me is that um, – Oregon State has the 46th best EPA per pass uh, this season, whereas Arizona State, 96, they've really, really tailed off on the passing game. I think they're going to be so one-dimensional that they won't be able to rush enough to keep up with what's been a very good offense. That being said, I'm I'm not playing Oregon State here because they are 91st in – defensive EPA per play, and they're 74th in defensive success rate. So that tells me that when they're getting beat – it's it's they're getting beat big as well. And so that kind of explosive volatility scares me off of this a little bit with the home dog. Um, but overall, I mean, a very impressive season from Jonathan Smith, 16th in offensive EPA. Um, and I do think that Arizona State is a little more balanced. But again, that kind of asymmetry with uh, passing and rushing complementarity, uh, I can see a world where Oregon State keeps this very close. But I can see a world where uh, Jaden Daniels with his legs just busts off a couple big runs and, and puts us out of reach. So I don't I don't have a play here, but I do kind of like to see the matchup between Russian Russian pass uh, offensive defense. Yeah, I kind of feel the exact same way. Kyle, uh, Oregon State, number 126 in adjusted sack rate on defense. Uh, if they can't make Jaden Daniels uncomfortable, I, I don't really know how they win this game. Uh, but also, you look at how much these teams like to run the football, uh, you got to feel good about a total here, right? Yeah, I mean, these are two really similar teams if you look at a lot of stats here. Uh, strength of schedule, 60th and 61st. Both teams want to run the ball. Arizona State running on 61 per- of plays and Oregon State on 61.7% of plays and actually in Pac-12 conference play Oregon State's running on 65% of their plays. These teams rank 21st and 22nd in the nation in yards per play on offense. The one big difference obviously is defensively Arizona State has the better stats than does Oregon State. Oregon State recently fired their defensive coordinator. We'll see if that works out. Both teams play at a very slow pace 90th and 103rd in tempo. And uh, both offenses are less explosive than the average team in the country. Um, I'm not sure if we've decided if Jaden Daniels is good or not. Uh, a friend actually <laughs> texted me recently. Um, is is Jaden Daniels the best bad quarterback you've ever seen or the worst good quarterback? And it does feel like kind of an appropriate question. I will say this is kind of the game that Daniels could have a good game. Like you said, uh, Oregon State doesn't really put pressure on the quarterback. Daniels is really good with his legs. We know that it's passing that's a question mark for him. But with both of these teams running the football over and over and over again, and the tempo being so slow, 59 is a pretty high total in that kind of situation because uh, there's going to be a lot of moving clock in this game. Uh, I think 59 is just a few points too high when teams are running the ball at 62% uh, rate over the course of the game. If there's not huge plays back and forth, then both teams can have success on offense and and this game could still stay under the total. So uh, I like this one to stay under the total here between these two. I tend to agree with you. Let's make it official. Kyle is going to roll with the under 59 on this ball game. Uh, that does it for the main slate. Now we have got uh, one good question in the Q&A. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Louisiana and Liberty. And this was from Robert S. Uh, Liberty, a four and a half point favorite at home. Louisiana only got one loss on the season. Uh, the total is 53 and a half. Uh, Parker, let me start off with you on this. I kind of really like Louisiana in this spot, but also if you are looking at situational, all the stuff that's going on with all the coaching talk, et cetera, et cetera, I know that Hugh Freeze sometimes takes that stuff personally. The fact that Billy Napier has turned into the bell of the ball, maybe, maybe Hugh Freeze draws up a few more things uh, in the playbook this week. I, I'm not going to bet it, but I will be interested to watch this. What uh, What's your feel on it? 
Yeah, I, I'm similar. I have us at about five points exactly in favor of Liberty. And so I, I'd be a little wary of, of a um, four and a half point total here. Um, a couple of things to look for. I mean, Liberty's passing offense has been really bad. A lot of that's the fault of their offensive line. Uh, 109th in EPA per play, whereas Louisiana's defense is 46th. That being said, I mean, Liberty can create so much value through the rush. They're fifth in EPA per rush. Uh, but again, Louisiana matches up really, really well with them. Uh, 10th and 10th and EPA per rush on defense there. Uh, I think what's going to be interesting is to see if, if Louisiana's offense can do that combination of scoring and, and finishing quality drives. They have uh, the 23rd best echo rate in the nation, 18th in points per echo. Liberty, really, really bad at giving up quality possessions, but have been really, really stingy. 72nd in echo rate, uh, 10th in, in points per echo or quality possession there. So um, I, I, this is uh, kind of a fun mismatch, and there is some off-field stuff going on. I expect this to be a, a close but boring win for Liberty. Um, just because, again, I do favor their their theoretical explosiveness on, on offense. But um, it's hard to make a play here with the line being so close to the spread. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Kyle, uh, maybe one thing to pay attention to, which, you know, advanced numbers don't necessarily factor in turnovers. But Malik Willis in some of these spots this year has just given the other team the ball. And Louisiana has taken advantage of some of those before. You, uh, you got a read on this one? In a game that I, I think... Um... Is, is pretty close to a toss-up as far as who would win this game. I would have to lean toward Louisiana getting the points, but I think I like the under better than I like anything else in this game, just because Liberty's defense is much better than they've been in recent years. Both of these teams play slow enough and run the football enough that 53.5 is still a fairly high total. So I expect this to be a fun game. I haven't looked. I hope this game is on TV. I mentioned the UAB and UTSA game not being on TV. I'd definitely like to watch this game. Um, I, I think I would lean Louisiana in this one, but I like the under a bit better. Louisiana's really been a great under team this year, like I said uh, last week, with uh, Lewis really being pretty disappointing. Uh, Liberty's offensive line has been weak. I would think that Louisiana could give them some trouble getting in the backfield. So I'm going to lean to the under as my strongest lean in this game. I like it. I like it. Uh, Jerry Scruggs jumped in for one last question before we close this thing out. Uh, you guys laughed when I mentioned Sark getting sacked after his first year before the Baylor game. Uh, if <laughs> if he loses out, uh, is a buyout a real possibility? Uh, do we have any thoughts? Uh, I will answer first, and then I'll jump to Parker, and then I'll jump to Kyle. Uh, no, he is not being fired after his first season, after the amount of money that they just paid to Tom Herman. That's not a realistic possibility. Um they will make staff changes. They will do all kinds of other stuff. But he will not get fired in the first season based on how much they uh, they paid him and all the guarantees and whatnot. Parker, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously Texas is crazy, but you've got to have a read on what kind of crazy they are. Um, two, you can see that they're already, um, uh, whether you're in or out on Sark, they've already done two key things that are going to give him at least another year, if not two years, uh, to figure this figure this out. Um, one, they've they've blamed the roster, um, and two, they um, uh, two they're, they're going to fire probably their defensive coordinator. That's not breaking news; that's conjecture. But um, so I really think that they're going to kind of make those underneath churn changes and see if they can get that fixed, get that right. Um, the the other thing is, uh, I mean, uh, athletic director Crystal Conte uh, has a lot of concerns about image and uh, firing a high profile hire after the first year. Not good image. Who, who would take the Texas job after that? Um, I, I mean, I think Sark long-term is going to work out. Texas is just going to have to let someone go through some growing pains. That's that's what they're going to have to do. So that's what this is. Um, and, I, and I think that firing Sark um, is a level of knee-jerk that even Texas may not have uh, – Texas may have not reached yet. So uh, You're 100% right about that. Kyle, you, uh, you got a read on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think Texas needs to find a defensive coordinator that does a good enough job with it. I mean, how how do they have the kind of talent they do every single season and still finish as bad as they do in defense? I mean, there's really no excuse for Texas to be that bad defensively. Uh, they, they'll make all kinds of changes outside of uh, Sarkeesian, but uh, Sarkeesian won't be gone this quick. Obviously, he'll get more pressure from the fan base, and you know, there's going to be more people talking about, you know, they've got to pick it up, but... Uh, he won't be going away yet. Like you said, you know, it didn't actually exactly end very well with uh, Herman, and they're not going to do that again right away. So uh, Sarkeesian has more than one year. Uh, having said that, of course, it's been a disappointing season for Texas thus far, and uh, I know that they would want to end something on a positive note. We'll see if they can do that. 
You have certainly got that right. Uh, let's go ahead and say thank you to Stephen and Jerry and Justin and Robert, etc. PMAT, all you guys in the chat. Uh, let's go ahead and do a quick recap of what our picks have been thus far for today's show uh, before we close this out. Parker, uh, what have you got for us? Um, I like uh, SMU's passing attack to be sufficiently annoying against Cincinnati, so I'll take them plus 11.5. UTSA to win big against U- UAB at, at minus 5, to cover minus 5. Utah will will shock the world with a, a covering minus 3 at home, and I think that Oklahoma State is, is primed to take care of business in Lubbock and, and cover that 10-point spread. I like it. I am rolling Minnesota minus 7.5 against Indiana. I like North Texas and covering the 10 against FIU. And I'm going to take Utah State at home, minus five and a half against Wyoming. Kyle, uh, what you got? I've got South Alabama and Tennessee under 62, and also Arizona State and Oregon State under 59. Rolling with the unders. I like it. All right, remind everybody, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that like button, of course, and always comment in with your picks and any other questions that you may have. We jump into those YouTube comments, and uh, we will answer your questions. We will converse back and forth. You can always follow us on Twitter. Parker is at Stats of War. I am at GaryWCE, and Kyle is at KyleHunterPicks. You can also find the links in the description below for that. Uh, Share the show out. Tell your friends. Jump in the comments. And again, like the video, subscribe, notification bell, all that good stuff. Uh, Along with that, go ahead and tell you, you need to sign up at BetUS. It's where the game begins. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to get you a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. Take advantage of the deal. Click the link in the description. It's going to toss the promo code in there for you. We make it as simple as humanly possible. With that said, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, baby. It is time for, uh, to watch some football. I'm ready. I'm ready. we got NFL tonight. we got college football tonight. we got Louisville and Duke. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. Gentlemen, it's been fun. For BetUS, where the game begins, we'll see you all again next Wednesday.